Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight is Liam. How are you going, Liam? Buongiorno, senor. How are we doing? <laughs> I'm doing very good. I don't understand. Uh, did we win the Euro? Uh, yes, yes, we did, yeah, because for uh, for about three hours on on Monday morning, I was Italian, yeah. <laughs> I think we're all Italian other than people from one little country. So. Yes. <laughs> great, great result. I was like, I said to the missus, best thing to see was, you know, England didn't have to travel anywhere in the tournament, get through, get to the final. It's coming home. It's coming home now. It went to Rome. Uh, get there and seeing the heartbreak in that stadium, amazing. And then the more <laughs> videos you see of the way they were acting pre-game, post-game, the punch-ons, it just made Rangers celebrations look like, you know, a stroll through the park. It was brilliant. <laughs> the thing is, though, like, genuinely, right, I mean, I've, I've, I've been talking to a few English mates of mine about this. I, I like a lot of England players. I think Southgate's a pretty good manager. And see if it just wasn't for their media and the, the the racism and the arrogance of some of their fans, I wouldn't have a problem with England doing well. But they're just they make it so difficult for any neutral to have any sympathy for them with their attitude, you know? Yeah, well that lineup, like that team, they've got enough talent there that you know over the next day, two two World Cups, a couple of Euros, you can more than likely they'll win something. Let's be honest, like, there's Aye. enough out there to win something. That's exactly what you said. It's the whole hype train that the media gets behind them and everything that was making me want to vomit a little bit. But <laughs> it's, yeah, there's enough quality players there. Like, guys like Rashford, what he's done for his community and everything, Aye. he's a role model. And then the fact of the matter is, in that final, Southgate got his tactics wrong. That's all it yep. was. Like, if you've got that much attacking flair in that lineup, and then you do a Mourinho, go up one nil after two or three minutes, and then park the bus and try to hang on and out Italy, Italy, you're not going to yeah. win. No. And that's where that's where it went wrong. To bring on Sancho and Rashford that late in the piece for the shootout, and then see them both butcher it, that was just like, uh-huh. yep, it could have been a hero move, but it clearly didn't work. So, no. And um, I, I'll, I'll just say it now. I'll say absolute, and I think I speak for you as well when I say solidarity with those boys because the amount of shit they are getting right now from from the media and from some of their own fans is just totally out of order. Rashford in particular is a hero for what he's done, for, like you say, with his community work as well as his football. And uh, he does, him, Saka, and... Um, uh, sorry, who was the other fellow? Sancho. They they do not deserve what is getting thrown at them right now, and I just send a wee message of solidarity to them. Yep, hundred percent agree with that. One other thing: where was Jack Grealish? Where was Raheem Sterling for that fifth penalty take? Why was a nineteen-year-old guy soccer in that role when you got these star players in inverted commas just mm. sitting there not taking the penalties? To me, that was. That was just wrong. In Grealish's defence, he's come out and said he wanted to take one. And the manager told him no. So again, that's down to a mistake by the manager. Yeah, fair enough. I wasn't aware of that. but Aye. Yeah, but still, it's not ideal. But no. at the end of the day, I don't like the Italian football team because I have a very long memory. 2006, diving winner penalty knock Australia out of our first World Cup in 32 years. Mm. I do not like the Italian national team at soccer or football at all. However, in that situation, it's a lesser of two evils. Uh, plus, I think, again, look at it purely dispassionately, the best footballing team won the tournament. No, Italy were, were, were the best team at the tournament. Yeah, Mancini, the miracle man. That's what uh, he was. The way he's turned that program around. Unbelievable. So anyway. Anyway. We'll, we'll flip the script a little bit and get straight back into what everyone here is to, wants to listen to. We're going to talk. Mm. Celtic played some um, some football games. Yeah. Yes. So we had a uh, 3-1 win over Sheffield Wednesday. Josh mm. Winders scored, the former Hun for them. But then it was good to see 
Albion a Yeti with the captain's armband. Oh, Moffat scored, and then Odson Edward later on. What was your take over the game? Like, do you want me to go through the whole lineup first of all, starting lineup, or what do you want us to do? I mean, to be honest, the lineup changed that much that you can't that was really hard to keep on top of. Aye. Um, plus, play, playing the, like the three, the sort of ice hockey style of three periods of thirty minutes, as opposed to a, um, as opposed to two halves, was a bit strange, but. You know, it served the needs of both teams, I think, you know. Because um, from what I understand, Sheffield Wednesday were at a similar stage of their, their training to us. They'd only been back a few days and players were getting tired quickly. And um, No, I think it's good to win these games, but equally, if we'd have lost 3-1, it would have meant absolutely nothing. But purely psychological, Big Ange's first game in charge, it's good to get a win, especially Another against thing. an English team. Exactly. <laughs> Another thing I want to point out is in 2015 when Andrew was the Australian manager and won the Asian Cup, mm. the guy who made a star turn at that tournament was Massimo Luongo, who was in the midfield for Sheffield Wednesday in that game. So mm. it was good to see you know, what they've both gone on and done. Like I haven't seen Luongo play. I didn't even know he was at Sheffield Wednesday. Last I was aware, he was down, I think it was at QPR or something like that. So oh. I wasn't even aware he was playing there. So it was good for me as an Australian to look and go, oh, so that's where he's playing now. Cool. And oh. see him up against his former former national team manager. Hey, nice, bit of, nice bit of symmetry there. Aye, that's, that is good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, w- what do you think? Do you think there was anything really that we can take away from that game as a contest? Or? I wasn't. I like, okay, probably... I think the first time I've seen Barkas make a save in a game was a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the combination of Sorrow and Shaw in the midfield worked pretty well. And a Yeti, he looks to have got himself in some really good shape and he could be a big player for us this season. Based off that, I know it's only against a team that got relegated last season from the championship, but still looking at it is that's kind of a standard that the low-end Scottish Premier League teams are. So if he's doing it at that level now, then I'm happy for that because that means he's going to get fitter, he's going to get used to the new manager, he's going to have a bigger role as a leader in that team like he was with the captain's armband on Mm. in this game in particular. I see that as it's a good stepping stone and a good launching pad for him because this time last year he was on a jet ski. Yeah. So it's good to see him getting in there, getting a full pre-season under him. And let's see him hit the ground running. That's pretty much it for me that I want to point out. Yeah, I would just echo that. I would agree with that. Good to see Ajayi stepping up. And um, good to see the manager putting that wee bit of faith in him as well. Which, um, again, from what I understand of Ange's managerial style, that's he's, he's very big on the, the bigging up players that need a wee push. And I think um, that's what he's trying to do with Ajayi just now. Yep, 100%. So then we rolled into the next pre-season friendly, Celtic 2, Charlton Athletic 1, goal from Karamoko, and a Yeti scored second game in a row. So um, what was your take on that game? Well, I'll, I'll be honest, I only saw the first half of that game because I was, I was uh, going to bed early that night to go up to watch the Euros. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was... Um, it was a good performance again. Um, Karamoko, good to see him score. And like he said, he's not played football for a long time. So for him to be back out playing, scoring, enjoying his football again is, is great for him. Um, I like the fact that Ajeti's goal was a completely different type of goal from what he'd scored in the previous game. It shows you that he's been working on his all-round game and not just his goal poaching, you know? Yeah, it shows he's got more strings to his bow there, which is a positive thing for us. So I'm happy with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so any players there you want to single out from what performances that you saw there? Um, oh, God, you know, I'm, I'm sure I can remember his name. Who was the young boy that scored the second goal in the in the Sheffield Wednesday game? Uh, Murray. Was it Murray? The ginger haired lad? Not Murray, sorry. Um... Yeah, he didn't play that one, did he? 
No, but I'm just I'm just you know, over the course of the two games that was one one player that stood out to me. Stood out uh, to, to the extent I can't remember his bloody name, but there you go. <laughs> the one who's got the jinky look about him on the wing. Aye, aye. It was very uh, Oh, and Moffat. Moffat Moffat, that was it, Moffat. Yeah. He he looked like a I hope that if either he gets a full season with the Colts or perhaps we could even loan him out to a, another Scottish team and get him some first team experience. Because he looks like he's ready to step up to that level, I think. Definitely ready to play some football against men instead of in the reserves against boys. So, uh, yeah, there's a few guys there, like seeing guys there like Dane Murray. You're looking at, yeah, Moffat that we're talking about there. There's a few guys that could make that leap. Let's watch his space, see what mm-hmm. Ange does with them. Because, yeah, as we've spoken about numerous times, he's put at developing youth. So, could be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to it. Could also save the club a lot of money by bringing those guys through. I definitely am happy that we've got a manager in place who is a lot less hesitant to promote the youth than Neil Lennon was. You know, Neil Lennon will always be a legend in my eyes, but I think one of his major flaws was he was at times reluctant to promote youth. Yep, 100%. You look back to when he's in his first stint, Rogic comes in. Wouldn't play him. Yep. Then he goes on loan back to Melbourne Victory, comes back, Lenny's gone, Ronnie's there, and he starts to establish himself. So then you look at you look at Rogic under Ronnie did well, under Rogers did well. Suddenly a certain person is back in the door again and he's had probably a couple of shocking seasons. Certain players just didn't mesh with the way he coaches. And no. yeah, Lenny, other than bringing through Forrest, in his first stint, I can't remember any youth, any of our youth players who have come in and established themselves under him, except for Welsh this season, but that was more forced on because of injuries. And Duffy being a dud, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. As having glass legs and being released. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll um, discuss the upcoming friendlies later on in the podcast. So what we'll do is... We'll, we'll talk about something in general terms real quickly here, something I don't really want to talk about because mm. I don't like being the tabloids and, you know, the gossip rags and all that sort of crap. But the Lee Griffiths situation. Now, yeah. I was really – I'm just going to say my bit, then we'll throw to you, Liam. Sure. And then we'll push on after that. We'll try not to talk around it too much. I uh, don't want to dwell on it. What he's allegedly been accused of, and the key word here is allegedly, this needs to be proof, not trial by media, is disgusting, disgraceful, and if it's happened, sack him and get him out of the club. Okay? I don't want that involved in their club if it is true what's happened. Yeah. However, I don't want him hung, drawn, and quartered and trial by media happening, waiting for the police to do their investigations. There's going to be investigations. There's going to be stuff ongoing that we're not going to be privy to as a fan base. And that's the reason why I don't want to talk on it too much. But, yeah, it's just the fact is he gets that one-year deal. We're looking like, okay, here's a chance for you to reestablish yourself. We need another striker, especially if Edward's going to be sold. And then this happens. Hmm. From a football perspective, it's a kick in the nuts to the team and the club. To his partner, above all else, absolutely disgusting and she deserves better if it's true. Mm. And, yeah. And for the man that he is and what he's done for the club, this is how, if it's true, this is how you tarnish your legacy. But over to yeah. you, Liam. Yeah, um... I'm just going to begin by making a general point on how the media covers these kind of things. I, I You might disagree, but I've always been of the opinion that whenever there's a crime, an, an accusation of crime, and it's of a sexual nature, particularly if it relates to, to, to underage people, I'm always of the belief that the accused and the accuser should not be identified until the full legal process has been completed. 
because even if Lee Griffiths is found to be completely innocent in all this, there's going to be a large part of probably our fan base and certainly of our rivals' fan base who are going to think, okay, just got away with it. Because that's the nature of these kind of crimes, is that once you're accused of something like that, it ruins you. And that's why, unfortunately, I think... Now, if he did it, what he's alleged to have done, then quite frankly, to hell with him. Get him out of the club. I don't want him anywhere near Celtic again. Especially after all the chances that he's been given. Um, It's disgusting behaviour for any human being, especially for someone who has a partner and has kids to think about. Um, You know, I uh, I work with children in my job. I'm a primary school teacher. Now, the people that are involved here are a bit older, but if the thought of anybody sending dirty messages to any of the kids I work with, that just absolutely sickens me and it makes me angry just to think about it, you know? And um, like I say, if he's done it, to hell with him, get shot of him as quickly as possible. But the full investigatory process has to play out. And I think it's wrong that the media have identified him while that process is still ongoing. Because, as I say, innocent until proven guilty should be the default for any crime or alleged crime. And that's not going to happen now. Because whether he's found guilty or innocent, a certain section of society is going to think he is guilty and he just got away with it because he's a footballer. I don't want to speak ill of the dead here, but I'm just going to put what you've said into context Kobe Bryant in the NBA, he was up in Colorado years ago, got accused of sexual assault. Now, who knows what actually happened there? They settled on a civil, got got it all done, signed non-disclosure agreements and moved on. Now, Mm. who knows what happened? But his legacy was tarnished and it took him another maybe 10 years of playing and winning championships and rebuilding and becoming a dad and, you know, understanding it and becoming this, like, veteran who understood and people and actually got out and was – every time he put a picture up with his daughters, it was, like, proud dad and it was, like, hashtag girl dad, whatever it Mm. was. He's, like, he grew and that that was good to see. But it took him years, a whole decade or more, for people to stop calling him a rapist and all that sort of stuff that goes with it based on an accusation that happened, that who knows what actually happened. Aye. So that Aye. that situation there is what this case here reminds me of. Mm. I look at it and go, I don't want like I don't want that for if it's if he's not guilty, I don't want him to have to live that life. I don't want his missus to have to live it, but it's out there. It's in the media and trial by media and social media being around now is an absolute savage place. And yeah. The sad reality is he's going to have to live that now, whether he's guilty or innocent, because that's, that's what's going to happen. It's the same way with, you know, and again, I don't, I, I hate to give them the oxygen of publicity, but the way that certain Rangers fans fixate on past events at Celtic and slander the greatest manager in our history at every opportunity. It's the same sick minds that are at play in the media here as well. You know, it's just, it's, it's a horrible thing. And, but you get the feeling that certain corners of the media were just like, they, they were delighted when this happened because it gave them a chance to really get the, get, get the boot into Celtic, you know? Yeah. Definitely point scoring at the end of the day in a yeah. situation where there's no winners. No. The primary concern is child welfare. Yeah. And I think most of the people covering this and most of the people bleating about it online don't give a shit about the the, the girl who's actually at the centre of it all. And that so, is the most disgusting thing in all of this. Yep. I have to agree with you on that. So yeah. I think we've covered it all there in the nice, succinct way we've got our point across. And I'm thinking we won't discuss this again until there's more actual hard evidence of what's or something has actually come out, say this is what actually happened. And 
then we can discuss that further then. But until that point, I don't want to discuss this topic again. And what I would say just to close that off is that don't be surprised if this takes quite a while to resolve itself one way or another. If it's a police investigation, there's going to be all sorts of stuff that needs to happen. Even if no criminal charges come, there's going to be an internal investigation at Celtic and it's going to be a case of whether or not morally anything wrong has happened. Legally, has anything wrong happened? And if legally nothing is, nothing wrong has happened, then Celtic can't really do anything in terms of the contract. You know, it's in, in that sense, it's the same as Bolingoli last season. Everybody wanted him punted out the door. But legally, Celtic couldn't do that because he hadn't actually breached his contract. So... Just... I'm going to use that as a segue for you. You mentioned Bolingoli and... <laughs> something I wanted to discuss later on, but I'll just go to it now. I've got this feeling that Andrew's going to give him a second chance. What's your take, Liam? I think that's a distinct possibility because whatever offence Bolingoli caused, a lot of the people that he pissed off are not going to be there next season. You know, Scott Brown's away, Neil Lennon's away. That's the two leaders from last season no longer there. Peter Lowell's um, going to apparently. Yep. Lowell's away, allegedly. Um, and, you know, we're looking at probably Edward, Ayer, and a few others out the door too. If it's a completely new look team, then, yeah, why not? You know, if, uh, if Ange is willing to give Lee Griffiths another shot, then why not give Bolingoli another shot? Yeah, I was talking with um, Amy from the South State of Mind podcast, did a Tim Talk podcast with her that was released yesterday, and we were discussing this topic, and I just wanted to clarify my, my what I said on that. So where I said that like he's a sort of player that would suit Andrew's style, the way he'd play, and if we're not going to get Hickey in or Doig in or someone like that as a left-back, we, if we have Taylor and we have Bolongoli, then that means we can put money into other positions. Then I can see the the reason why we would do that, but at the same mm. time, if that if he does get a second chance, it's going to be a nice split right down the middle of the Celtic support again on who sits on what side of it. There's going to be all these people who are pissed at last year that he's the guy who started the downward slide for the 10 by going off to Spain because he wanted to go shag his bird or something like that over there. And there's going to be other people like, oh, yeah, let's give him a second chance because he fits the way we want to play. So it's going to be a tough one. So, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. You mentioned Bolongoli, so it allowed me to get come back to that today and sort that out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Then the day my girlfriend lives in the next city over from me, so the idea of crossing borders and pursuit of your hole is something I can sympathise with. You know? <laughs> but um, seriously speaking, though, um, no, I think that Bolingoli was one of many, many things that went wrong last season. And I think I, I think I can understand the anger from the fan base, but really, we need to just write last season off. Just say, look, last season was a complete that everything crashed and burned and he was only one part of it. And if we're going to rebuild with other elements from last season still there, it's a bit kind of two-faced to say that Bolingoli is blackballed, but, um, you know, the other players in the team who looked as if they'd given up halfway through are given a free pass. Yep, I have to agree with that. So we'll see what happens, but I wouldn't be against it. So, yeah. Yeah. It's all going to come down to what Ange thinks of him as well. You know, we don't know what Ange thinks of him as a player yet. Well, the thing is, the way Ange likes his, his wing-backs and that to attack, Bongoli is great, would be good at that. Mm. However, I am I still think Taylor is a better pl- all-round player than Bolongoli. So I would agree. I would rather we start Taylor and have Bolongoli as his backup. And if he wants that starting jersey, he's got to knuckle down and earn it and and get us all back on side by 
if he comes on for 10 minutes here, if he comes on for this cup game, get out there and do the job in the minimal fast. Be, be humble. Show a bit of empathy to the fans who yeah, we let down as a club last year. Not just him, but who we let down in general. And step up, take your lumps, and then when you get in the team, have a fending and crack at it, and next thing you know, you might have us back on side again. Aye. Aye, you never know. All it would take is for him to score the winner against the Huns. <laughs> you know, that would better be back in the good books of everybody, I think. Oh, yeah, the Bollongoli CSC's Johnny Hayes style. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right, so what we'll do is we'll get into some transfer talk. Hmm. So we have my mate, the baby giraffe, Mr. Bayo has left to go to KAA Ghent on a permanent deal for £1.4 million. Hmm. Are you upset to see him leave or do you think it's a good move and a good fee, good fee coming back in for the club? What's your take on that, Liam? I think it's a case of cutting our losses. I think there's a player there, but I don't think he's a player that suits Celtic. Um, and as we've seen with other players, you know, Hendry, for example, the Belgian league can be a good place to go if you don't cut it in Scotland. Yeah. And um, no, I wish him all the best. He never, you know, for all the time he wasn't getting a game, I don't remember him ever bad-mouthing the team or bad-mouthing other players. Just an honest pro who didn't quite make the grade at Celtic, but I hope he goes on to be a star elsewhere. Yep, yeah, have to echo those remarks. For me, I think he doesn't really suit the way we want to play the way Ange wants his teams to play. So I don't mind him going. We paid, what, $2 million for him. I'm sure we haven't paid all that $2 million up front because there would have been a fee plus clauses. Now, he's barely played for us, so he probably haven't hit those clauses. So if we come mm-hmm. out at $1.4 million and our overall spend on him was one point four, so we've broken even and he's off the wage bill, fine. Now the next one's to get off the wage bill to free up more more again for the rebuild would be, well, you look at it and go, Schwed would probably be the next one that we just need to release or get a transfer, not release, but I mean like sell him or loan him out or whatever. He wants to go back to Mechelen, mm. send him out, see you later. Then all those guys around the outside of the squad are pretty much gone. And then yeah. it comes down to who's left. The only transfers, but it's who wants out and who, and who are we bringing in to replace them. And if we get to that point, great. Now, there's rumours of a £12 million offer from Brentford coming in for Ayer with three million of add-ons that we that we turned down. Apparently, Brentford are coming back in with a revised offer is what the latest news was at the time of recording this. Mm. Now, I said last week, and I've said on the podcast yesterday with Amy, was that, if we were to take that twelve million and spend four million on a centre back, four million on a right back, four million on a striker, for instance, right? Yeah. If we did that, then that's say if it was Starfelt, Soppy, and uh, I'll just get a mental nisbet. Say if we brought those three in, that's three mm. starting quality players for us in exchange for one going out. That's a nice aggregate win for me. I'd happily take that. But I can understand why they want more money up front for for Ayer because, well, you know, we owe a share, 10% or whatever, to his old club, IK Start. Hmm. I mean, the thing is with, with Ayer, he's going to go in a year's time for nothing if we don't get something for him. Yeah. And in the current depressed market, for starters, I think he's a better player than Brentford, quite frankly. I think he's of a better level than that. But it's the sort of thing where, say we let him go for 15... If they come back in with an offer of £15 million up front, we let him go for that, which I think we should. Because I think in the current depressed market, that's a, that's a fair valuation. Especially for a guy who's coming off of a shite season at Celtic. Yeah. You know, let, let's be honest. No, no, none of our players are going to be the same value they were a year ago, thanks to last season's debacle. Yep. Um, 15 million for a guy we lose for nothing in a year's time. A guy who's free to talk to other clubs in six months' time. 
um, I think that's good business. And what you do then is you negotiate perhaps a 20 to 30% sell-on clause with Brentford. Because if he goes there and he performs like the way we think he can perform, in maybe a year or two's time, he's he's going to a West Ham or a Liverpool or something. And then, you know, if, if that's going to be 25, 30 million, we get a nice little wedge, which would yeah, top exactly. up the fee which we should have got for him in the first place. Yep, I was thinking, yeah, if he went to Brentford or he went to a Norwich, one or two years down the track, he'll go make the move to a, a Leicester and Everton or a West Ham sort of level club. Mm-hmm. And then after a couple more years there, then he'll make that jump up into a top six team or to AC Milan, one or the other. But, yeah, yeah. if we can get a 20, 25% future fee on top of it, perfect. If you get a percentage of that, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. So speaking about players' links to the club, so I mentioned Soppy just before. So apparently Celtic have been told it's going to be £4.3 million for Ren or Brandon Soppy as a right-back. Mm-hmm. I'd be at that price. I'd be like, where do we? Where do you want the cash? Do you want it? Do you want it? Uh, do you want coins? Do you want gold bars? Do you want euros? Do you want monopoly money? How do you want this paid? Like, we're not monopoly money. Pay. We're not Rangers. Come on. I'd do that. I knew I'd get a bite out of you. That's all I did. It. <laughs> so for me, like, perfect is a four point three million. Apparently, we've agreed a deal. For Liel Abada from Maccabee Peta Tikva, mm. $3.5 million. So that's a Dudu Dahan signing. You can't go a transfer, a transfer window or a year without being linked to one of his players. So he's a striker slash winger. So that could be the Nisbet money I was just talking about. And then apparently mm. medical's being done in Moscow today with for Carl Starfelt. Ruben Kanzan moved for $4.25 million. So if you add all that up, that comes in around that twelve million I was just talking about we get for IR and we've got yep. three potential first team players. So does anyone think I've played a bit of football manager off for over the years? <laughs> no, I, I, you're exactly right. That that's that's the kind of uh, business that we need to be doing. And I I hope we got all three of those over the line because they're all three players that I think will enhance what we've currently got. Um, We've been talking for a while about we want that Salzburg model, we want that Ajax model where sales come on for a big fee and then you've got the next batch coming through. Well, if Ajax goes for 12 to 15 million and mm-hmm. you sign all these three, and with the amount of people like with Bruni off the wage bill, with Bayo off the wage bill, with all these other people now off the wage bill, we're still going to be ahead in terms of how much we're paying out because we don't have all those wages. We've got mm-hmm. three first-team players in for the equivalent of one, and we still have the asset of Edward still to be sold as well, and Christie potentially as well for a, a, some sort of fee. So, yeah, I think we're in a good spot. I think people it's just a bit of impatience here, but the key thing is 11 p.m. on the 15th is the cutoff for the first cutoff for the Champions League qualifiers. So if we can get all three of these in by then, we're flying. Yeah. If we can get – and then after that point, we can add two more players up until the, the night before the game. So you never know. Like we could still have all this now. we still get these guys in, add more, and look completely different to what we're expecting. But the one I'm thinking is I thought because with the defenders that we've got and the centre-backs, I thought if we can bring Starfeld in now – Play him mm-hmm. alongside Ayer against Mitchelland, yep. then sell Ayer at that point for the money. Uh, and then just struggle on until Julian comes back, hopefully by about September. Or, and that's at, just that point, pairing. or at that point, if we win against Mitchelland, we're guaranteed Europa League football. Mm. So at that point there, you can afford to sell Ayer. Then if you flip some of the, the – then he's gone. Then you're like, okay, now we just get another centre-back. Now we look to bring in – um, what was he, the guy's name from one of the other defenders? Ko Itakura, bring on the left-sided centre-back, someone oh, like that. Oh, yes. I'd love to see him at Celtic, got to admit. And if, and if you brought him in and then 
you know, then you sell, if you sell Edward, then you reinvest some of that money into Nisbet, for instance. Mm. And maybe if you do want another left back, go, go find someone there as well. Great. You just flip the money around and just move, move all the pieces. But if we do it that way, keep Iyer, get through the Michelin matchup, then let him go and bring in someone else at that point, I'd be wrapped with that. I'd be especially happy if we could get Itakura in because, well, oh, obviously being, being in Japan, it. but aye, but the thing is, like, that opens up the Asian market to us again. Yep. Because, you know, when Celtic had, when we had Nakamura and Telesic sent, when we had, like, um, uh, Zheng Zhi and, uh, and Chaduri, we didn't, Kisong Young as well, yep, sorry. We didn't, exploit that anywhere near as much as we should have in terms of monetizing the fact that we had some of Asia's best players in our team. And you know, if if Itakura comes in and he plays to the level that I think he can, he could be one of Japan's best players. And that could really elevate Celtic over here if we promote it properly. If Ange does it properly, if he brings in Itakura and then he also brings in the other two guys that we've been linked with who are in the Japanese Olympic team, mm. the winger and the midfielder, bring them in. Yeah. Wow. That's going to be a market. And the thing is, I can actually see Dom Mackay focusing on that market, you know, in terms of marketing. And there's a lot of companies over there. Like, you have a look, your Kawasaki's, your Panasonic's, your Toyota's, you've got all these guys, Nissan's, mm. all them over there. Massive companies. Imagine if you had three or four good Japanese players at the club. That's going to mm. open up all the potential sponsorship agreements and all that with them. And with Dom having lived in Japan in the past and having lived yeah. in Australia in the past, he's going to understand the business side of how things are done in that country more than Peter Lowell ever would have. Well, do you know that's an interesting thing because I'll just I'll, I'll I'll just give you something to think about here, right? The shirt that most kids are in, that I, you know, as I said, I teach primary kids. The football shirt you see kids wearing here more than any other is Barcelona. Now, Barcelona, as far as I know, have never signed a Japanese player, but they have a major tie-up with Rakuten, yeah. who are basically the Japanese Amazon. Yeah. Right. They play friendlies over here every couple of years. Every kid, you know, you ask them who's your favourite player, they'll probably say a Japanese player. But you ask them who's your favourite foreign player, it's Messi. Right. Barcelona, considering they don't even have any Japanese players, have done a phenomenal job of promoting themselves over here. And Celtic could do that as well if we just get on it. You know. The funny thing is, I'm laughing at what you're saying because. Barcelona did have a Japanese player, and that's why they got a transfer window embargo. Did they? Because they signed him underage. Oh, Christ, I didn't know that. There you go. That was the last one. That was a few years back. But, yeah, that's the last one I saw with them. But, yeah, yeah. like it's a massive market in terms of what we were talking about like off the pitch, and it's, yeah. a, it's a growing market for us as a club because the players are affordable. They're technically good. And the work ethic of the Japanese is unbelievable. It's like it would be dumb not to shop in that market and try to build a build our brand there. Hi, I mean you take the example of that boy Kubo that went to Real Madrid. Now he's currently loaned out on a, I think is it Mallorca he's currently playing for. Yep. But um, you know, where else in the world are Real Madrid going to be able to to sign a player of the quality that can go into their team for two million quid? You know. That was what they paid for him when they, when they signed him from FC Tokyo. Two million. I've got a funny comment for you. Two million quid. That's what they spent? Yeah. We spent the same on Bayo. Oh, for God's sake. There you go. Levels. Oh, dear. Levels. Yep. Levels. <laughs> so I think that pretty much sums up what I mean by it's an affordable market and we've got to get in there. So, Aye. yeah. Good, good fun. Let's hope to get some players in, see some movement in the squad and get any of these people who don't want to be there out and get our squad strengthened and up up and go 
onwards and upwards. And yeah, let's see the Andrew Evolution kick up a gear or two. Yes, absolutely. One last player I wanted to touch on is Boson Lyle. How do you say it? Lowell or something like that from Watford. Mm-hmm. Irish under 21 international. Apparently he's signed for Celtic on a three year deal. First year he'll probably be playing with the Colts team. So, um, yeah, I don't know much about him, but from all reports, he looks like a promising up and coming player. So it's good to see some players being signed up for that too because the Colts season starts very, very soon. I think it's either this weekend or the following weekend. What that also tells me, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but the fact that we've signed a player to go into the Colts team suggests to me that Ange is looking at promoting at least a couple of the current Colts into the main squad. Yeah, exactly. Which is a good thing. I agree with that. Yep. Yeah. So, last couple of topics for us to discuss because, you know, who's going to. Yeah, it's just because the two of us were smashing through things a lot quicker, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> miss you, Sean. Miss you, miss you, Johnny boy. <laughs> and Claire, congrats on getting married. There you go. Yeah, congrats, boy. Claire. All the best. So apparently this weekend we've we've got some friendlies coming up, right? So um, I didn't word that well, but we're playing Bristol City. In five hours and forty-six minutes, according to the Celtic website. But yep. the main one I wanted to talk about is on Sunday or Saturday over there, Sunday our time, there's we're playing Preston North End. And apparently we're gonna have two thousand fans allowed in Celtic Park for that friendly. About bloody time. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um that, that quote on the yeah. Jockstein. Statue out the front says it all. Football is nothing without fans, and boy, have we missed them. You see the Euros with crowds, and you, you're like, dude, that's what's been missing. for. As I was watching games, Ukraine versus whoever, I have absolutely no connection to either of those countries, and I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. It's one all. It's like, oh, this is so exciting, because there's a crowd there, and they go, oh, when a shot misses, and... Oh, it, just, yeah. it just makes sense. I, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I think it was, it was, I think it was Ukraine Macedonia was a game that I remember watching. I yeah. Had no investment in it whatsoever, but by the end of the game, I'm like, this is brilliant. Come on, you know, because like Macedonia were pushing for the equaliser and cut a long story short, ended up ordering both tops. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Nope. <laughs> that's your that's your official title. Liam the uh, shirt with the Carrigan. That's uh, your that's your name now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's just amazing having some fans there. So two thousand fans at Celtic Park is probably gonna seem like to the players on the field, that's probably gonna feel like running out in front of thirty, forty thousand. Mm. Considering they haven't played in front of any in how long? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Eighteen months or so, almost. So, yeah, aye, great aye. to see that game on the weekend. And off the back of that, we've also got that some news that Celtic has applied to have eighteen thousand fans in attendance against against Michelin for the Champions League qualifier. If that comes to fruition, if only our borders were open, I'd be on a plane. I'm telling you. <laughs> if I didn't have to bloody quarantine for two weeks on the way back, I tell you, I'd be up for it as well. That's what I'm talking about. It's like you fly over there and you'd have to quarantine for 10 days. We both would. To then watch the game, to then have to come back and quarantine for two weeks. It's not worth, what is it, like a day on the plane there, a day on the plane back, and then 24 days of quarantine. <laughs> that was so great. You've got 18,000 in there. If I was saying 2,000, it'll feel like there's 30,000. Yeah, in front of eighteen thousand fans in a Champions League qualifier, after how little amount of fans it's going to seem like you're playing in front of a hundred thousand people. Aye, aye, anything at all is going to be. I mean, to put it into a much smaller context, right? They've got a, they had a thing with the um before the most recent state of emergency in Tokyo, the J League was allowing five thousand fans into games. 
And I think it was Gamba Osaka had gone, I think it was four or five games without a win. First game, the fans were back. They won 3-1. And the manager immediately was like, that's the fans that did that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's a material difference, you know? It's the 12th man. Let's the fans keep you on edge. I don't think every game is... Do you really think we would have made so many mistakes at the back last year if there was a crowd behind the goal ripping into your, the goalkeepers and your defenders if there was, if they were there? No. 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 It's the, accountability. The, change, the changes that needed to be made would have been made in November instead of March. Exactly. Mm. Yep. Ah, oh, well, no, no, chance, no reason to revise history. So... Um, what I'm thinking is in the next couple of weeks on one of the pods, we'll get the whole team together and we'll do our fearless predictions for the upcoming season mm. before it all kicks off. So we basically got thinking, yeah, after the after the, the Michelin game or before the second Michelin game, I think that's a good spot for it. So, Aye, because the, there's the West Ham friendly in between as well. That'll be an interesting one. Yeah, exactly. So, we should have close to a full strength team by then. And that's that ties in perfectly and good segue. We're mm. gonna go so we've got Preston North End this weekend and then Wednesday twenty first our time. Michelin Champions League qualifier. And then on the weekend after that, West Ham, Celtic Park, then off to Michelin again the following week for the Champions League qualifier. And then the season kicks off 5 a.m. our time. Perfect. 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning. You're beauty. Hmm. I could do Hang that. on a second. Michelin's the 21st. No, the first one is. Right. Yeah, beauty. The, the, the 22nd's a bank holiday in Japan. I've just realised I'll be able to watch that game. <laughs> hey! <laughs> You're all set. There you go. So it's going to be um, – I'm, I'm looking forward to the upcoming season. So we'll do our fearless predictions, but just want to know, Bristol City game, what are you hoping to see in that, Liam? Goals, <laughs> hopefully. Goals, um, goals, goals, and players getting more match fit. Yeah, I want to, you know, you want to see progression. You know, we looked a bit stronger and a bit tidier against Charlton than we did against Sheffield Wednesday. I hope we step it up another level again against Bristol City. And then again against Preston, and then finally against West Ham. You know, yeah, so um, it should work. So, my, I want us to see. I thought we were a little clunky at times against Charlton, so it'll be good to see get guys get another run into the legs, get out there, get another ninety minutes into them in the Ange system, getting used to it, and then build on that again against Preston. Hopefully, win some more. So you know there can't be stories of, oh yeah. Uh, Celtic lost to Bristol City and Preston North End. If we win them both, mm-hmm. at least we didn't lose to Tramie Rovers. So, you know, I just had to throw that in there. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, I just want to see progression. I want to see the team looking more and more comfortable playing that style of football, players being fit, getting fitter. And, yeah, as you said, goals. And lots of lots and lots of goals. And I don't want to sound like the overbearing grandfather here, but I'm just going to say it's the fans, you know, if we lose any of these games, don't throw temper tantrums, please. It's pre-season. We're experimenting. You know, there's going to be ups and downs as, as Ange tries different things with different players. We've won two games so far. We might not win the next two, but hopefully we will. But, you know. My comment off the back of that as well is how many times have we lost pre-season games away on our camps over the years. Like, we'd go to, was it Austria and Switzerland, and we played all sorts of teams over there, and we'd lose games. And I was like, yeah, it's just pre-season, no big deal. Yeah. But just because of last season, the way it was, let's not get jumpy. Let's not jump at shadows. Let's, no. um, you know, just stay positive, support the boys, and, yeah. We'll get there. Hi, we will. We will. All right, Liam. So before we finish up, mm. I just want to do two things. 
Yep. First thing, let's want to do a quick call to action to everyone listening in. If you like the podcast, please subscribe to it in your podcast app. If you're on Facebook, please check out our Facebook page. Give that a like and join our Facebook group. On Instagram and Twitter, we can be followed at Celtic Down. And to finish off, Liam, we have our final thought that we do mm. where you say something, can be anything, no, just a statement, no discussions required. We'll go yours and we'll go mine to finish off. Mm. Uh, well, first of all, I was just reading through the friendly results the other day and congratulations to Tranmere on their 55-0 win against Rangers. Hey. <laughs> hey. Um, sound effect for that. Yeah. <laughs> does um does 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 uh, fifty five and counting? Does that mean like how many years it's been since England have won anything of any consequence? <laughs> no. Uh, my my final thought, I would say, you know, let's just get these players in, get them bedded in. Right behind Big Ange, show us the way forward, big man, and let's go out and beat Micheland and guarantee European football until Christmas. Let's just get it done. You kind of took what I was going to say. I was going to say patience is a virtue. I know it's in short supply at the moment, but, yeah, I just want to get some players in and see some progression, not just on the pitch in terms of the performances in the friendlies, but I also want to see the next step for us going forward in the rebuild is to get some players in, get some players out, and push on. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yes. Here, here. You say here, here, and I say hail, hail. Thanks for listening.